0: So, everyone's tried out their hot dog pizza. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, did you? There is a an Instagram recipe that I keep seeing on my feed of hot dogs sliced up on top of potato chips with melted cheese. Ew. And I want to send it to our good friend, Adam Bightley. Well, he's already had that. Ew, I mean, he'd be like, yeah, this, really is, this is like 4.5 bites.
1: I hate hot dogs. <laughs>
0: yeah. So the last episode was was just a blast. We got a lot of great feedback to talking about, well, mostly Chris. I would say that we got a lot of feedback from our friend, our conversation with Chris Johnson on Target Living. Uh, also, you know, a little bit. From our friend Adam and his hot dog escapades today on the Cold Oatmeal Podcast, we are taking a slightly different turn of things. We're going to talk to a friend of ours, a pollster by day and a jazz singer by night, Paul King. you listen to the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. Uh. <laughs> Didn't your microphone break when we were? No, I was an idiot. And I
2: think I had
1: something <laughs> muted and wasn't
0: paying attention. You okay?
2: It's my allergies. Literally, I have COVID. No, I COVID. <laughs> I don't have COVID. Jimmy got
3: tested to be here. You couldn't have I'm like edited that better.
2: Welcome to Cold Oatmeal, a podcast by the Rush Strategies team about PR and public affairs. Really. I was distracted staring at Joe's Cold Oatmeal. Yeah, well, it's here. He's got it on his It's, on his it's always place. here. It's always here. And by the way, the, the the ratio of like fruit to disgusting is like 1 to 10. It's got some disgusting stuff and some fruit. Yeah, There's nothing disgusting. One part what's, fruit. What, what in there is disgusting? I don't even know what's in it. But it, it looks like cucumber mash and maybe a couple of chopped apples. <laughs> Did you have Burger King
1: for breakfast? What was your... Save guys. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So welcome back. This is the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. I'm Matt Resch, uh, the owner of Resch Strategies. Um, we bring you this little uh, podcast every couple of weeks on Thursdays. Uh, Resch Strategies, we are a public affairs and a public relations firm. We are headquartered in downtown Lansing, Michigan, in the NAPS building. Uh, well, I'll look around the room here. Who I got with me?
2: Nikki O'Mara, Carly Buell,
0: Jill Bashy, and on Nick, the Zoom. Nick DeLue is on Zoom. I'm here. Nick is Zooming. Laura, Stephanie are not with us today. Unfortunately, but we are powering through and we're going to talk to uh, someone who has spent a good portion of his career, at least during the daylight hours, uh, doing research and polling. The funny thing about Paul King is that he is also a jazz singer, a a crooner as they're known, Mm -hmm. uh, leads a big band, uh, a trio as well. So it'll be a good conversation and kind of see what the the pollster does and the singer. It'll uh, It'll be good. But before we do that, I did want to ask. We, you know, we talked a little bit in, on the intro there about Chris and Adam. I think Joe, you know, you're the closest person to Chris. Mm-hmm. You know, we did. I noticed that he had taken excerpts from the podcast and put it on their own platform. You know, like right. Using the cold oatmeal brand to <laughs> elevate the, on Target. Um, I think we need to approach him by getting a promo code, a cold oatmeal promo code, because. I know that we push some product. I, I can speak personally. Of, oh, yeah. of, of people who reached out after the last episode buying stuff from Chris Johnson and on Target Living.
1: Yeah, I feel like there's probably maybe like two dozen people I can think of that, <laughs> that maybe like now buy on Target stuff kind of because of us and because of me just being a, a, annoying about it. So that's not nothing. That's that's something. That's I mean, something. That's
2: worth a code. That's worth add, some, like, add my wife to the. Something add my wife to the list she was she was motivated she listened to that she had a but did you but did she buy anything do you have fish oil yeah. in the house did she, she? Okay. I, I believe it's on the way i think she ordered the fish oil
1: wow um, are you actually going to do all the things nick
2: i'll do the fish oil sure i mean the
1: I, spirulina
2: stuff that's what she wanted to investigate a little bit more because um, um, i think she was surprised at the the idea of the price of the spir- spirulina mm.
0: Don't you don't question the price, just buy it, and you <laughs> buy it, you Put you put it in your body, so and then you forget all about my it. Money just going. Going. And when <laughs> you go to ontargetliving.com, use the promo code Cold Oatmeal. <laughs>
2: this is not a real. This is not a real code. 10% off. <laughs> it's like Chris says though. Just just start small. Just get started. So I, I think like if we start with the uh, the fish oil, you know, we'll see we'll see where we go.
0: I think it's a great idea. Yes. Mm-hmm. We'll keep us posted. Sure. I don't think I, no one reached out to me asking me for Adam's contact information
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, for any recipes or any information yeah. he has to share, unfortunately. Although I did get to spend then the weekend after that episode because that happened, came out on New Year's Day, right? So I was getting pictures of the things they were eating over the course of the weekend.
1: It's nice we had him on because, you know, his heart attack is like right around the corner. Like <laughs> it
0: was kind of now or never. We got to get it in. We got to get it in.
2: <laughs> oh my to Adam's credit, I, I did over the course of you know, the last couple of weeks since we talked to him, I did replace probably about six of my Red Baron pizzas with Jack's pizzas and uh, have enjoyed the Midwestern tradition. Um, he, he inspired me to try that cardboard again. So, okay. Okay. I, <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't know the difference. Jack's pizza the is the best frozen is- pizza. And it does taste like cardboard. Yeah, is yeah. it the best because it's the worst? Yeah, yeah it, a little bit. Of, it. It. Yep, that's
2: it. It's horrible.
0: Well, make sure you <laughs> make sure you dip your, uh, your Jack's crust in a little cup of cod liver oil.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah, balance it all out.
0: Balance it all out. That's it so gross. Out. Anyway, we will balance all things out here in a second. Talking to Paul King again. He is a pollster by day, a singer by night. And uh, we're going to talk about both of those things in just one minute. Paul King. So, Paul King, president of ROI Insight, uh, is with us. As also, hey, he leads the Rhythm Society Orchestra as well. rhythmsociety.net. Paul, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. So it was. Should I have sung that? Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> sure. We'll try just again. The whole episode. Take two. Let's we'll do this one more time, Paul. We'll sing this time. No, you don't have. To. You don't have to sing yet. Maybe, maybe later we'll get you get you to just uh, sing a little bit. Um, We've always wanted to have you on just because, you know, a couple give kind of represent two kind of fun topics, but we thought we would meld them together into one little conversation. You are a longtime public opinion researcher uh, a while back for Lansing types will remember or recognize that he worked at MRG for, for a while. Um, now has his own firm of ROI insight.net. Um, but also you are the leader of a, a band, a big band and small bands, I think along the way. So I mm-hmm. wanted to get into a little bit of that. Um, so I want to ask first like a polling question, if you'd be, if you'd be sure. open to that. I'm, I want to know what you think, how you would grade the, the polling industry coming out of this last election. And I know you don't do political stuff so much anymore, but I'm, I'm curious your insight as to how the industry kind of, performed and how it how how it what kind of grades you would give it based on the election
3: can i grade on a curve
0: (laughs) you're the professor whatever you whatever (laughs) however you want to do it
3: well it's uh it's difficult the poll the polling industry is really struggling right now to get a handle on how to get things right um they've been for a while um but it is getting more and more difficult. And as we were getting into that election, I spoke to various pollsters that were having difficulty reaching the your uh, I would call typical Trump voter. <clears throat> if you're putting together personas of who the voters were, um, you know, uh, rural, uh, less, or I should say, non-college educated uh, voters. Uh, white, male, those were the hardest folks and still are the hardest folks to talk to on the phone. Whether you're calling for a poll or calling for uh, a marketing study, um, survey research of any kind, trying to reach those folks, is uh, it's a difficult task. So what we were hearing going into uh, last year gosh, it's last year already, Uh, going into the election, was that it was nearly impossible to find Republicans who would talk to pollsters. There are various reasons for it. Um, A lot of it is distrust. It's not just distrust in the media uh, and distrust in politicians, but it's distrust in pollsters. It's distrust in everyone who's involved in this process. Having said that, when you're trying to conduct a poll that is uh, accurate, that is representative of the uh, electorate, uh, it behooves you to include everyone that's likely to vote. And if you can't do that, then your polling is gonna be off. And what we found, uh, and a lot of people have found in this, is that you know the, the polling in 2020 was off, I think, plus four Democrat, pretty much across the board. When you averaged everything together, state polls, again, were the worst when you compare them to the national polls. uh, Some of them were atrocious. I mean, you look at some of the polling in like Wisconsin, where they had Democrats up by 15 points. I don't know how we overcome that other than just working harder at trying to recruit some of these respondents that are just so difficult to talk to.
1: So is it a, is it a trust thing? Like they, you can't get them on the phone or they don't have phones in the first place. Like what's, what's the bigger hurdle? I would think that, I would think the group that you just identified would be, uh, people that would still have landlines and would be theoretically fairly easy to reach.
3: Yeah. Your, Your Republican, uh, electorate is easier to reach in, in rural areas, things like that are easier to reach because they are more likely to have landlines. So yes, it is. I think a trust factor that trumps most of it, but um, you know, a lot of folks are just not answering their phones. <laughs> That's plain and simple. Some folks are even unplugging their phones because they just don't want to talk to. If they have a, a backup cell phone, they're not talking to anyone on their landline. So it, it's there are a number of factors involved, um, but I think trust tru- trumps them all right now. Sorry I, I, I'd,
2: I'd imagine that can't be easy. And he was a, a polling professional to understand that the trust is has slipped, or it's eroded, or it's just not there. I mean, when when you see news is cu- coming out, there you know there's a headline or there's a a promo on the nightly news that you know live at six we're going to have new polling. I mean, do you sort of brace yourself for mm-hmm. for what's going to come? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, it is. It's it's difficult as a pollster, as and it's difficult even as a, a market researcher coming in to meet with a client when they want to know how can we better connect with our audience how can we convert folks into buying our product or service how can we learn you know what's top of mind for them their their biggest concerns what the, yeah you know. they want the truth and it's hard to go in and sell them on you know finding the truth when they not only will they distrust the process of doing it. <laughs> so right. it it takes a little more effort on our part to not only get it right and do the work that we need to do to find the truth, but also it takes a lot of work to uh, convince a client that it's something that they need to do to learn what's going on. So there are obviously other processes involved now with Regard to um, secondary research and analyzing big data as we used to call it, but you know in addition to survey research and and focus groups and things like that, there are various other um, tactics that we use to to uncover uh, the truth but it is it is more difficult as a professional in this industry for sure
0: is this something that you think is going to continue to be a challenge for, for the industry or, or, and I ask this because, and I could be wrong in this impression, but that so many of kind of, and I, I'll use this, and I guess it could be used in multiple contexts today, but kind of the problem children of this polling universe, these kind of, these kind of new Trump voters um, are a fairly new phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And, he's not going to presumably not going to be on the ballot in four years. He's not going to be on the ballot again in two years. So does the industry adjust to try to find these people only to find that they've fallen back off the face of the political map because he's not around to get them excited? That is the big question.
3: Um, We will learn that obviously my gut tells me, yes, that is, that is a good assumption is that if he's not on the ballot and they still distrust, Everyone as much as they do now, um, and I can't imagine that changing. Um, then yes, I would. I would expect that things. I don't want to say go back to normal, but normalize a bit, and it makes it a little in, easier on the in, industry. But again, it's just there's just so much uncertainty right now. Um, it's just hard to say. Part of
0: me yeah. thinks that these guys would answer the phone and find out it's a pollster and they would say, damn right. I want to tell you what I think. <laughs> no one's yes. ever listened to me before. You're going to listen to me now.
3: Yes. And that is true in some certain cases, but what we found, um, and that, and that actually happened in 2016 for sure. But in this last election cycle, the, everything shut down. They didn't want to talk to, they didn't want to talk to us. They didn't want to talk to anyone for that matter. But, you know, if you found them on the street, they were likely <laughs> to tell you what they thought, but not on the phone.
2: Does, does this phenomenon, does this cut across, does it, I guess, jump out of politics um, or out of electoral politics into other areas of polling? Because obviously what you do now, um, I think you've mentioned, you, you know, you're doing less of the, the horse race campaign type stuff and, 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 more issue-based and policy-based polling. Are you experiencing the same phenomenon there um, where, where you're asking about issues specifically and not about a candidate that someone might feel passionate about um, or does it, does it cut across?
3: Yeah, it does uh, depending on what you're researching. Um, well, for instance, um, if we're doing, I am doing some product research right now or some consumer research with regard to a product uh, for a manufacturer who markets to this exact same audience. The difficulty is finding them and convincing them that it's a subject that they want to talk about. Um, So it takes a little more effort on our part. We can do that through uh, panel discussions and using panels, for instance, using uh, panels through Qualtrics or in this case, not SurveyMonkey, but there are Organizations that put together panels that will connect with these folks and will incentivize them to talk to us and we are doing it that way. We are doing some of it on the phone. I like to mix my uh, methods of reaching these folks so we can try to get uh, you know a good cross section of people and doing it on the phone. we have to incentivize incentivize a little bit more as well. You know Money helps um, but in in these marketing type situations. Uh, it is something that is, uh, a regular practice in the industry, in politics, not so much. I, you know, people frown on paying folks to tell them how they're going to vote, but, um, I think it's going to become, uh, more and more of a, 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 tool to use in politics as well. But yes, it is, it is difficult. It crosses over into marketing and any other type of research we're doing.
0: So a natural follow-up to that question. When does one officially become a crooner? <laughs> do you need to like? just sing? How long? Do you, how long do you have to sing before you can be? You can get that title, or do you just get? Just get it right away. That
1: does feel like it needs to be earned a little bit. It it's does. Nice. Yeah. Just, yeah. You just say, "Hey,
0: I'm a yeah.
3: crooner." <laughs> I mean it, it. It's the style of singing, Is it? quite frankly. I mean, I, if you ever have you ever read um, Martin Short's book? Is I
1: book, haven't, but I. I would be interested in it. Oh,
3: it's great. I love Martin Short. But he um talks about his childhood growing up in Canada, uh, just outside of Toronto, and his he had his room set up like um talk show, like Johnny Carson, like the Tonight Show. Like like it doesn't surprise
0: and, me at
2: all about Martin Short. No. And
3: he he would use his um his little handheld uh tape recorder and create these talk shows and he would create all of the the guests as well. He would do all the voices for the guests and he would interview them, but then he would have a musical guest and he would drop the needle on uh, the intros to these Frank Sinatra songs. And then he'd pick it up and sing the song. And that's pretty much what my childhood was like. So <laughs> I understand, <laughs> I understand where he's coming from. And then um, I parlayed that into, you know, doing some things in college and a, and a rock band and then uh moving on and taking some instruction from uh sunny wilkinson when she was teaching at msu and jazz vocal area and then uh once i actually started getting gigs and getting paid for singing some of the tunes that i sing i've said yeah at first when i started with the big band they used to call me the boy singer like they used to call sinatra but i you know (laughs) But now I think I, I think it's safe, as old as I am, and, and some of the things that I'm doing in music I, I think it's safe to call me a crooner. So yes, I think I did earn it eventually, but it's also you know, it depends on the type of singing that you do, and i I lean toward
0: the crooning pretty heavily, so lean, lean to the croon. Is this the the, the the kind of music you've always been the most attached to or attracted to? And is
1: it is it what your parents listen to, or were you just kind of a weird kid?
3: Both. Okay. <laughs> um, yes, my parents did listen to a lot of, I mean, they had, uh, you know, a lot of the Sinatra albums, the Christmas albums for sure, Nat King Cole, all of that. So, and I think I wore out that Nat King Cole box set when I was a kid. But that said, I, I love everything from, you know, jazz to rock to I'm not that much into country, but when I was in college, I love who is, loved, who is? <laughs> I love singing in a rock band, and my quite frankly, my buddies from that band and I still get together, and once in a while, we'll, we'll a couple years ago, we got a fishing lodge in the uh, Blue Mountains in just north part of Georgia. Is it the Blue Mountains, Smoky Mountains? What is it up there? Anyway, we rented that for a about four days and we just jammed all weekend it was a blast
2: we, we can get back to the to the big band and the the crooning in fact nikki and laura uh, and uh carly um they're they're going to need album suggestions um because when we were we, we first were talking about the idea of big band music like, what's that And glenn miller well, who's glenn miller that wasn't um, me it was you know sure it was nikki. Um, <laughs> i was
1: not included <laughs> in that conversation anyway. but before
2: we before we get to the big band stuff, what was the name of your rock band? Oh God, I can't say it here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh
2: my gosh! Seriously, please, I, I mean, you after could. that, please do.
3: <laughs> I can't really. I can give you the. <laughs> I can give you the um, uh, acronym, maybe, but I can't. I don't know if I can say it here. You give us I'm pretty sure, that I'm of pretty sure the FCC guess. is not listening. We to played. No let's let's put it this way. We played at house parties in East Lansing. I did sing with a couple of bands at Rick's American Cafe. That's but, the place. Yeah. But I did not. I don't. That band never got into Rick's. Possibly because of our name.
2: So <laughs> oh. that's saying something. Yeah. If, if you can't yeah. get into Rick's because of that, that's you that's saying something. <laughs> Give us the acronym and we can make it a poll question. Let folks guess what the, the acronym means.
1: FPBS. Well, I think I know what the first
0: word is. <laughs> think about that for a little bit. So what's the first place the first place you ever sang publicly? Oh, publicly. Like when was the first time you ever thought, yeah, I like this. This is fun. I have a picture of it. Wait a minute. Paul's getting up and he's going to show us picture. a picture. photo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks for narrating.
2: What are we looking at? It's it's an old picture. It's in a, a beautiful frame.
3: That's my dad and I. I was probably, I don't know, seven maybe? My dad was a singer and he sang, he did like community theater, that type of thing. But he was also a cantor in church. He was in the choir and I used to sing with him in church. Uh, but that was a performance, I think it was, Our church, it was a fundraiser kind of thing. My dad's an Irishman and he used to love singing Irish tunes and I sang with him on uh If you're Irish, come into the parlor, I think was the song. So that's probably my first public appearance.
1: How much of uh in a in a non COVID world, how much of your life is devoted to being the leader of a big band? Like what how much of this is your life? What is it a huge thing you're doing every week or is it?
3: Oh, before COVID? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, I had at least one gig a week, sometimes depending on the time of the year, uh, whether it was summer with summer concerts or Christmas time, it would be three to four gigs a week.
1: And is it always kind of locally in Michigan or or Metro Detroit or do you guys actually travel beyond that?
3: Pretty much uh, Detroit Area, northern Michigan, sometimes, um, you know, well, anywhere in Michigan, pretty much. But we've done uh, things in Chicago. Uh, we did, <laughs> we were in People Magazine, actually, a really? couple of years ago. And this is a funny story. We were down in the um, Dayton area, just outside of Dayton. There was a wedding that someone had, had hired us for, At uh, it was a beautiful, venue it was a barn farm area and the wedding was inside the barn and so we get there we're set up big band set up in the barn i start looking around and I'm everybody in this place is gorgeous i mean beautiful people and i'm thinking wait a minute we're in the middle of a cow field in ohio and everybody here is beautiful <laughs> i mean gowns and tuxedos and i'm thinking something doesn't add up, but this is a great party. I mean, there was they spared no expense and we had a blast. I had no clue who these people were. I get back and about a week later, someone sends me a clip that we were in People Magazine and it was the, the doc, the guy, the red haired guy that plays the doctor on Chicago Med. What's his name? I can't think of his name right now. Doctor. Anyway, I don't know. No idea. Everyone looks to Carly. This would be- <laughs> who watches I feel like I, I feel like Grace. Laura Beal might know that. After yeah, that. She, she she probably been would. Been the know most that. likely. Anyway, yeah, it was his wedding, and the cast of Chicago Med was there, and <laughs> That's cool there story. it is.
2: That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs>
3: but it was cool. We we got that gig because we auditioned, and I didn't even know we were auditioning because they chose us through some clips they saw on YouTube, uh, and we were up against i think two or three other bands and they hired us
0: so how many traveling big bands are there out there
3: oh depends on how much you want to pay them um everybody will travel but i mean as far as the uh, there are the big names that are still doing it like the count basie orchestra has still has a band in fact the lead trumpet player in our band was the lead trumpet player for count basie and then retired from doing that gig and he's playing with us now uh glenn miller band still travels tommy dorsey's group still travels i don't know if um if there is a duke ellington band that's still traveling but the lincoln center jazz orchestra we're not in their league but those are you know the big names Mm -hmm. that are traveling so you're the
1: front man of your band does that mean you actually run the show too or is there someone else who's kind of like like when you added that that was it a horn player from the count basie band like who Mm -hmm. Who found him and who made the decision that he's joined the band?
3: Well, I'll tell you who found him. It's okay. His wife plays with us too. Okay. So. No. <laughs> um, he's a Mike Williams is his name. His wife is Amanda, and they're great people. And he is one of the best trumpet players in the country. He's just amazing. Um, but yeah, it's helpful when uh, a spouse is already there and yeah. brings him along. Yeah.
2: Is the whole band but, Michigan based, or are they are yeah. you guys spread out? Okay.
3: Yeah. Uh, Southeast Michigan, uh, anywhere from, I think the Williams folks are up in Lapeer. Um, but most of us are, I think that's the farthest North. Actually, our piano player is in William uh, or in, um, White Lake township. And then, uh, most of us are in Southeast Michigan.
0: So so how, how often do you have an opening and how do you fill that opening? Typically, is it someone like word of mouth, someone, you know, or do you do tryouts?
3: We have a long list of um, subs that we can sub in from time to time. Frankly, a lot of people want to play with us because we are one of the busiest bands in, in Michigan um, when things are up and running. Um, so it's, it's easy to find. And the jazz community in, in Detroit is, um, you know, we're all a big family. We all know each other. And I, I do side gigs as well. Um, put together my own small groups, and I'll do special events where we can't fit a big band. Or I do a lot of um, evenings at the London Chop House downtown with a trio. Through those side gigs, I also meet a lot of different musicians. Um, I do a lot of stuff in and you know Lula's and Owasso. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great little, oh, yeah got to check it out if you haven't been there yet.
2: It's a great yeah. place. I haven't.
1: I haven't. Either. I feel like I've heard of it. But I think I have haven't too. been there. Listen, it's, it's
2: it's all impressive, but have you played Ricks? <laughs> uh, no,
3: not with this group, but <laughs> we have played at the uh what used to be Dooley's. What is it now?
1: Oh, um the Irish place? Dublin's? Yeah.
3: Dublin's is that what it's called now.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Upstairs, downstairs. There's hot there's
1: workers? I don't know. I don't know.
3: Anyway, we have Plady Slancing. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> What's your favorite song to do? Gosh, that's just way too hard. I like so many of them. Um, and it depends on my mood.
0: Well, you think about Let's that. Com- Try this one. Try Let's this one. Let's come back to it. Okay. What is, when you show up at a, maybe, do you take requests? You, you, probably, you probably have people like yell things out from the crowd, right? Of things they want you to play. As long play as Free Bird! As long as they're written on a $50 bill. <laughs> <laughs> is there a song that you, every time it's requested, you cringe and you're like, oh God, not that one. Yep.
3: Yep. And it would, it would depend on how much they're paying me to sing it. Um, there are just songs that I just don't, I don't want to touch because they've been done. And done, and done, and done, and and know some people will be shocked when I say this, but my way is one of them. I just mm-hmm. don't. Yeah, yeah that, that one's makes so sense. Overdone. I don't want to sing that song. <laughs> don't ever make me sing that song. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm not saying it's a bad song. I just, I just, I don't want to do it personally.
2: I mean, Jay Z's cover sort of ruined it for everybody else.
3: <laughs> we did. Um, I did a Christmas show at uh, the Willis show bar in detroit last was that last year god everything is a blur these days but um and it was a sinatra themed christmas show it was a blast we had a lot of fun Uh, i put together the band for it and i put together the set list and we tried to run it like like one of sinatra's vegas shows from the 60s and they had dancing girls there too and everything it was (laughs) it was interesting it was a fun night. but I made a point to not put my way on that set list. I did a lot of things that he did in the 60s, in the lounges, in Vegas, but it didn't include my way. It didn't include, I think we may have done uh, "Fly Me to the Moon, but I, I didn't include the big ones, the Strangers in
0: the Night, those things like that. There were some angry people in the audience because they didn't hear it. There was a commentary I heard on the radio and this is a long time ago, but my wife and I heard it in the car driving and we laughed throughout the whole thing because it was an entire rip on my way and how bad the song is Mm -hmm. and the message behind the song. And like, I'll never forget the closing line of the whole commentary was the woman who was doing it just screamed Ixnay on the, my way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So have you thought about your favorite
3: song yet? Yeah. Dedicated to you. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but um,
1: <laughs> I think Matt was thinking you were
3: dedicated. I, I thought you were dedicating your favorite song to
1: me. I'm, wait,
0: sure. I'm waiting for it. Okay. I'm, I'm waiting.
3: I'm dedicating it to you. No, it's a song that, um, oh gosh, I, now I can't remember who wrote it. But Um. if you are familiar with the John Coltrane, Johnny Hartman album, it, which is one of my favorites, if not my favorite jazz album, um, it is on that album and it's one of my favorites. It's just a beautiful song it's the changes are amazing it's just a fun song to sing
2: just, this is probably no one else on this podcast is going to care about the answer to this question so I'm going to ask it of course do you get much many requests for Crosby I mean do you, do you have a Crosby set Ben Crosby
3: uh yeah actually I've done some of those tunes like especially the ones that he is he sung with uh, the Andrew sisters uh, with the big band because we do we have some different Themes that we do with RSO, uh, we can depending on the party and the, you know, the vibe they're going for. We do the old uh, World War II USO theme parties where we will the band will dress in WW2 uniforms, and we have a group that we bring in that does Andrew Sisters, and we'll do all of that. You know, Glenn Miller, Andrew Sisters, all that stuff. So I've done it with them. The fun thing is now that uh, I, my wife and daughters are really into that kind of music too. So this Christmas, nobody else was around, and they were singing Andrew's Sisters, like the trio, and I was joining in as we didn't record it. We didn't put. <laughs> I offered to put it on Zoom. We we could put it on um, Facebook, whatever. Nobody wanted to do that. So
2: you're doing, you're doing Jingle Bells and the, the Christmas classics or,
0: Melly Kaliki Maka. Yeah, oh, yeah, all yeah. of them.
2: Yeah, well,
0: It was fun. How has it been in trying to rehearse during this whole time? Have you been able to get together at all or are you not able to do that?
3: Uh, it depends. We've been safe. We've been, you know, once in a while I'll have, depending on what we're working toward, if there is something that we're doing, um, I can have, you know, a few guys, one or two guys in the house and we'll stay far apart from each other and try to do something around the piano, but um, it's impossible to do on Zoom. You just can't, you can't do it um, virtually uh, just because of the laws of physics. Uh, There's a lag, there's everything. It just can't, you can't create music that way. But um, if, if it's possible and, you know, everyone has been tested or feels like they've been playing it safe, we'll try to get together if there's something coming up. But there's really... There have been no gigs on the calendar um, as of late. But now that I say that, I just remember that I've got one on the calendar for this Saturday. I'm assuming it's not on, but <laughs> I need to get in touch
0: with everyone and make sure. But yeah, another abrupt change of subject. But you, this made me think back to the beginning of our conversation. How has how has COVID impacted the the life of a focus group? Does this, have no focus groups been happening since? february march or have have they all gone online too and how does that work
3: yeah they're pretty much all going online i haven't done any i don't know of anyone that has done
0: anything um live face to face so at the time you've got this kind of these, this perfect storm of of polling challenges you've got this population of people you can't get to answer the phone and then the attempts to try to get people live and in person have been stopped too
3: yeah yeah i mean it's it's difficult enough to try to get somebody to attend a focus group outside of covid but right. you add another uh you know another obstacle to that and then it just makes it almost impossible i would
1: love to be in a focus group no one's ever asked me to be in a focus group i'd do that in a heartbeat i would
0: think that you would like to just make a living just signing up and going <laughs> yeah it'd be fun Getting your 50 dollar check i'd love to let people know what i think about and stuff just going off yeah free pizza <laughs> and skittles <laughs> and then sharing your opinion yeah
3: <laughs> right I love focus groups, actually. I mean, I just, um, there's always something that we learn from focus groups that makes the client usually smack their head. A lot of times people come into those things, if, and, and you all know this, the clients think they know all there is to know about their audiences, but they, nine times out of 10, will learn something in the focus group that they never knew. And I love that moment when
0: it happens. Have you ever had a client go through the door and confront a focus group member on mm-hmm. something that was said?
3: Uh, yes. I was at MRG. I wasn't there. I wasn't there, but Tom Shields was, and he always tells this story about um, John Ingler.
0: I was wondering if we were thinking about the same story. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. He, he said, I know I can change their mind. And he went in and he did it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is, it is so, it is horribly awkward to sit in the observation room with a candidate yeah. and watch them watch what people say about them. It is. I think a, that'd be fun. That would it be is tough. Such I think that would be situation. fun.
3: Yeah, but it's necessary obviously. Yeah, so for, for sure. <laughs> and it's, it's also necessary as a um, pollster to give them the unvarnished truth. When you know you're coming into that meeting with some really bad news, but it's uh, it's important and they have to know it. And sometimes you just have to steal yourself and
0: get her done as they say. Well, Paul, I appreciate you taking some time on this, this afternoon to talk to us about polling and researching and singing. It's good. Good to catch up again. I do
3: need to meld the two. Don't you think? I think maybe
0: some
3: presentations, maybe sing the, Analysis. (laughs)
0: I was wondering if like your your ability to sing in front of huge crowds of people has helped you in front of focus group audiences before and in in working your magic with them or have you ever sung for focus groups?
3: I think it helps. Um, I have not sung in those situations no, But I think it definitely helps to be more comfortable in I mean, it's it's helped on both sides I mean being a, um, a pollster in having to say things that are sometimes difficult to clients and things like that has helped me I think even in situations on stage where I have to think quickly if I have a heckler maybe I don't know but (laughs) I think both both have helped each other for sure.
0: Paul King president of ROI Insight ROI Insight.net also lead singer lead crooner should I say for the Rhythm Society Orchestra rhythm society.net. Check both those things out. Paul, we appreciate you taking the time.
3: Thank you so much. Great to be here. Every time, every time it rains, it's gonna rain pennies from heaven don't you know every cloud contains lots of pennies
0: okay so we're back we are back thank you to paul king for uh singing and talking and talking and singing about polling yeah it was good times against my better judgment i've been convinced that the next thing that we need to do in the podcast here is to open my Christmas presents from my my team because a
1: monthly yeah it's you're... what
0: it's February. <laughs> <Because> that's, <18th laughs> now. that's a great thing for the podcast. It's perfect, you know. It's yeah. a visual thing. It's so a visual it thing. I'm gonna exactly. open my presents <laughs> against my better judgment. But now Nikki Nikki insisted we should open your presents on the podcast.
1: Why not? They're late. So, so should is there it. an
0: order? I should open these in.
1: No, just maybe the box. Do you remember what's in these? I don't. <laughs>
2: Have have you explained to Matt that these were ordered well in advance?
1: Yeah, of, they were, but USPS is terrible, and they all came late.
0: Nikki walked into them with this this morning. She brought it in, nicely wrapped. <laughs> Merry Christmas. This is it. So I'm opening the paper.
1: What if he can't even
2: open it? That would be
1: sad. I, I opened Should've the planned. box before. Should have planned. Flip for it the over. Scissors. There
2: you go.
0: It's from Florida. Ooh, it's from Florida. Ooh, like yeah. all great things. Like all
2: good Christmas
0: presents. Boca Raton. Oh, my God. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Wait, oh,
0: well, okay. What is it? It is a captain's hat. It's a little sea captain's hat. Oh my god. I put this on oh over way. the top of my earphones. I'm like, it's like I'm Gilligan. No, is this what Gilligan? No, this is what like the skipper. The skipper Aww. skipper.
2: You just good. Oh, I can't good.
0: believe this took so long to get here.
1: Well that one didn't, but the next one did. Oh
0: wow. You know what? And the other thing, the the, the good present they gave me.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was a gift certificate to our good friends at Casa Checks.
2: That's right. And so
0: I will be sure to wear this lovely hat with me <laughs> when I go. The, uh, we, yeah.
2: we really expect you to wear it around town, like yeah, yeah, up and down Washington, know. Washington I, I Square. Might, I and, just
0: might. It fits super well on top of my earphones. Ooh, what is this?
2: It's also for your boat.
0: Another boat item. I better not sink the damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> it is a cold oatmeal boat flag. <laughs> you look
2: so funny with your hat. <laughs> well that doesn't that suck
1: great. <laughs> well that doesn't <laughs> suck so glad to hear that <laughs> it's,
2: like a, it's a glowing
1: review
0: oh, honestly you. you know you know the the key to anything in my heart is anything cold open
2: right. yeah yep. so, there you go uh,
0: thank you I don't have a flagpole for my boat it's not that it's not big enough but i'll, I'll figure
1: <laughs> well now I'll you'll have a reason out. to get one yeah,
2: yeah. My hat Duft, duct tape my a stick to it yeah
0: Sweet. well thank you everyone this is so thoughtful you're welcome uh, Merry christmas, christmas. Yeah, merry christmas man. <laughs> <laughs> and happy new year <laughs> yes uh well we could talk more about this but i think we're probably done yeah probably that's fine. yeah
2: yeah mm-hmm.
0: okay well, for, for Captain Rush here at the <laughs> at the Cold Oatmeal Pot, at the SS podcast, Cold Oatmeal, uh, Paul King, thanks so much for being our guest. This is Matt Rush. We will talk to you next time on the Cold Oatmeal Podcast.
3: Well, all right. Okay. You win. I'm in love with you. Well, all right. Okay. You win. Hey, baby, what can I do? Anything you say I'll do Girl, just as long as it's me and you